Okay, good morning. What I want to do is I want to look at chapter 16 of Bereshit. I'm sorry I don't have the page, but somebody will find it. Like in the middle of Parashat Lech Lecha. Hey? 72. Okay, so I want, let's just have a quick look at the story, and then we're going to try and look into the, um, into the understanding. Sorry, 70. Okay. Um, I just said something, and I realized I never do that. So I'm not going to do that. Have a quick look at the story, and then we'll go back. We never do that, do we? Right? We just kind of go, well, let's see where we go. Okay. Vesara Eshet Avram. So it's all the different things that have happened. I don't want to go through the parasha, but it's, he's been promised the, the it's post-Brit Banavatarim. The Brit Banavatarim was what? That, he, that his children will inherit the land of Israel. So obviously that's an upsetting thing for Avram because he doesn't have children. So now this is where the story starts. For Sarai, Eshet Avram, lo And Sarai, the, the son of Avram, the, the wife of Avram, has not yet, Yaldalo, has not yet given birth for him. And she has an Egyptian um, servant, slave, whose name is Hagar. Where did she get her from? Why does the Torah have to tell me that she's an Egyptian servant? Why can't she be a Japanese servant? Why can't she be uh, one of the other nations of the Canaan? Why does she specifically have to tell us that she is an Egyptian servant? Okay? So Rashi tells us from the Midrash, Bat Paro Hayata. She actually was the daughter of Paro. Why is it so important? Which Paro? Remember, they went down to Mitzrayim. And when they went down to Mitzrayim, then there was that whole story that she was his sister, not his wife. And, and that Paro took her. Right? And then there was a whole story that went on. We can't go, I don't want to go into it. But this woman, Hagar, is the daughter of that man, Paro. Okay? So when he saw all these brilliant miracles that happened for Sarah, he said, He said, it's an amazing idea. He said, I would rather my daughter was a maidservant in this place than to be a big macha in, um, in another house. So what does he do? He gives her over to Abraham as a maidservant. Now, if you remember the reward, the things that Abraham Avinu got, it says that when he left, um, um, when, he le- when he left Paro's house, he got all these different things. Um, so I just want to get the Sukkim. Um, it says there, because of Abraham, he got Yitzchon, Bakar, Komarim, Vavadim, Ushvachot, and he got slaves and maid servants, maid servants, okay, Vatonotuk Malim, and uh, asses, donkeys, and camels, and who in that who was one of those maid servants was his daughter. It's quite a thing, by the way, that the Torah doesn't highlight them that one of those maid servants is Hagar, the daughter of Paro. It's not relevant, actually. Okay? But what does happen is that she connects herself, either she connects herself to Sarah, or Sarah chooses her because she comes from royalty. 
and therefore she understand what wealth is and all those things that uh, that Abraham Avinu have. Okay, so let's carry on. So, but Tomer Sarai el Avram, and Sarai says to Avram, "Hinena atzarani adunai miledes." Kodesh Baruch has stopped me from giving birth. Bona el shivchati. So therefore, to, um, come to you, my maid servant. Ulai ibane nimena. Maybe I will. These words are very important. My maid servant. Maybe I will build through her. But Yishma Avram lekol Sarai. Like every good Jewish husband, he listened to his wife. Okay. So she, her intention in this whole relationship. That Avram is going to have with Agar is what? What? For who? For her. For her. That's why Rashi says, Why will she get? Why will she get maybe have a child by the fact that she'll give this woman to... Um, to Avra. Remember, they didn't know who was, who's the barren one in this whole story. Right? So she's thinking, the fact that I'm prepared to share the position, so to speak, with Avram, therefore there will be a schut. Right? I'm showing a certain level of humility. And in the, in the merit of that schut, so therefore I will have a child. Okay? And, uh, and he says that he listened to her, now listen carefully to this lady, why did he listen to her? Because he understood that it came from Ruach HaKodesh. Okay, that's stopping there, man. But Tikach Sarai Eshes Avram and Sarai took and Sarai, the wife of Avram, took it. Hagar HaMitzrit Shifchata the Hagar HaMitzrit Shifchata. Now you can see like it's really pushing who this woman is. By the way, by the way, who are the Mitzrim? Why is it so important that she comes from the Mitzrim? Remember, the whole Torah connects itself in some way or another. So if you go down into the Sukkim, which tell of the genealogy of mankind, um, in Parshat Noach that we just read, you'll see who the Mitzrim come from. And it's fundamental who the Mitzrim come from. Because, it's, a big, it's in chapter 10, I'll tell you now, it says here, end of... Yeah. And So we're talking about the Mitzrim, who are the children of Ham, okay, the cousins of Knan. Okay? Now we know that Knan is cursed to be Avadim. Mitzrayim is never cursed to be Avadim. And what Paro does is he makes his daughter into an Evet, right? Which is not what she's supposed to be. Okay. Bear that in mind. She doesn't have the DNA of being an Evet. Okay. Her father sold her into slavery or gave her over into some type of slavery. But it couldn't have been so bad with Sarah. You know, Sarah was a wonderful woman. Okay. But she's not an Evet. She's a princess. Okay. Now says the Torah. So she has this. She has, She takes this. Uh, takes this woman. Mikates eser shanim l'shevet Avram baRitzurah. After ten years of them being in Israel, vatiten otal Avram isha lo leisha, and she gives her to Avraham, her husband. She is the primary wife, 
Lo Isha as a wife. What do you mean she gives? She owns this woman. Right? So she can do with her as she wishes to do. Okay? She gives it to him as a wife. Does she still have ownership over her? That's not clear. Okay? In terms of like the, the mechanism of ownership. But and now you can see the, the narrative. Avraham and, and uh, Hagar are together. She immediately falls pregnant. And then what happens? Now look at the words of the Torah. Her mistress. So who's, who's the owner here? Still Sarah. The fact that Avraham is, her, is, is the husband doesn't mean that she loses her status as being the, 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 the shifcha of Sarah. And the but what vatekel giver tabeina the 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 giveret her, her, her mistress becomes like taker becomes cull becomes less she becomes weaker in her eyes. Okay, what does that mean? She doesn't hold the same force on her. So what force should she hold? But well, if somebody slay, what force of ownership? Okay, and so, what, so how does that, what, what would she have done? What's she going to say? Like, you're my, you're my husband's wife, but I want you to do my dishes. Okay, okay. There's something a bit strange there. Right? How did it manifest itself? Because now they're equal to a degree. In terms of the relationship with Avraham Avinu, they're equal. How does she become weak in her eyes? She's still the same woman. She's still the same person. She's still this great Tadeka Sarah. She's like everything. So Rashi says, but take her. Amra, she, um, Hagar says, Sarazo ain't Satra, um, I can't read it from that, sorry. That's the bigger one. That's easier. Right, what did she say to it? Um, Amra, Sarazo ain't Sitra Kigluya. Um, she says, Sarah, what she, uh, the, what, what, what she really is, like her, her, her true self, is not like what she projects to the rest of the world. This is what Hagar says about Sarah. Okay? Why? Right? Because she makes herself as if she's such a big tzadikus. But she's not. Why? Why? Because she couldn't have children all these years. But I got pregnant the first time I was with Abra. Which must mean, since I get pregnant, it means there's something wrong with her. It's fascinating how she works this, right? And therefore what? But she becomes Kalbe now. She says, well, she's not such a Tadakus. And if she's not such a Tadakus, the only reason I was prepared to buy into this is because she was such a person, but she's not. There's something, um, what's the word? Amiss with Sarah, and I'm no longer respecting her in the way that I did before. Which is quite a thing. Okay? okay. The, um, the, the Malbim says that um, He says that uh, firstly the fact that she no longer she, she, she is married to Abraham means that she's no longer owned by Sarah number one and the fact is that I must be a greater it doesn't say that she's not a Tzedekas I must be a greater Tzedekas you can see already she's not because you, know, you don't say those things right why because I become immediately pregnant um, through um, through Avraham Avinu 
Okay, so then the story carries on. So what happens? So who's she saying this to? Amra, she said. Who did she say it to? She's saying it to Afra. Certainly not. She wouldn't have the gall to do that. Who's she saying it to? Well, why would she say it to you? She then would say, she said, you're not. But she's just talking about Sarah. To the people. And therefore, what? so this is the ultimate in? No, it's bigger than that. This is the ultimate in Motsi Shemra. Right? What is she, and when she's Motsi Shemra, what's she doing to, to Sarah? And what's that going to do to Sarah? What, what's a person, one thing that a person needs to hold as much as they can is their reputation. Right? For Sarah to achieve what she wants to achieve, which is to spread the word of our Kodesh Baruch Hu through the world, Right? She has to have the reputation. And what's this woman doing? She's destroying that reputation. And therefore, Sarai al Avram. So Sarah says to Avram, Chamasi Alecha. Now, Chamasi is a difficult word because Chamasi really means like robbery of some sort. We'll, we'll see Rashi says now what that means. I gave my, my maidservants to you. And she, now she sees that she's pregnant. Now become like nothing in her eyes. Now Shem is going to be the judge between you and me. She's livid. Okay? Look what Rashi says. Rashi says, It's difficult. He says, he says that the Hamas, what's Hamas? We learned about Hamas, we haven't, this is the only other time in the whole Torah that the word Hamas is mentioned. The first time is, when? Last week, correct. Okay. And what is Hamas? Right? So she just said to Avram, you robbed me. How do you rob it? says it. Why? Because she's palauta la Kaddish Baruch Because when you and Hashem, so Avraham told her, obviously told her exactly what happened at the Brit Baranavatari. And at the Brit Baranavatari, he says, uh, Avraham Avinu said, Ma titain li, ni arivi. What are you, Hashem, going to give me? I am barren. Okay? We think that's a question. Sarah understood it not as a question. But as a tefillah, that he was saying to Hashem in a roundabout way, I'm asking you to give me a child. Okay? Lord, it palalta ella el alecha. You didn't govern except for yourself. Okay? That's how Sarah has interpreted this whole story. We're a team, she says to him. You should have governed for both of us. This is very strange, by the way. Why would Abraham not daven for both of them? Because it's not a tefillah. He was asking a question. She's reinterpreted the whole thing. I mean, I can go through the whole story of it, but I just, just bear this in mind. Sometimes we see things in our eyes. They're not really what happened. Because we are so emotionally involved in this thing that everything that happens becomes totally out of, out of a real perspective. Okay? And then he says, And then I would have been remembered like you. Or with you. Now it's the obvious, what Sarah is saying, the obvious reason why we couldn't have children is because neither of us could have children. From both sides. 
now you davened, and now you can have a child. And if you had davened for both of us, then we both, I don't know, our anatomy would have changed. However, we know that that's not correct. How do we know that? Because the Torah told us that Sarah was an Akara. Told us that the, last week, right? Told us last week, right at the, at the, right at the end of the parasha, it said that Sarah couldn't have children. Not Abraham, Sarah. She doesn't know that. But uh, so it's clear, Abraham wasn't davening for himself. Why would he daven for himself? There's no reason to daven for himself. It's about her. Okay? She says, you would, I would have been remembered. Um, says, you know what else? And this, I mean, you can, this is like the whole world of husband and wife relationships, right? says, you hear that she is being um, degrading of me and you don't say a word. Say a word. Because the Torah doesn't say it. Abraham said to Hagar, please stop doing this. And Hagar said, no, I won't stop doing this. And therefore, Abraham didn't know what to do. Okay, that's not what the Torah says. She's doing all these things. So, how does Abraham know that she's saying all these things? Certainly not saying it to her. Sarah's assuming that Abraham knows what's going on. But you know, Abraham doesn't listen to Doshin Hora and Moetzi Shema. It's not his thing. And who's Hagar talking to? Which people? Yes, you know, but it wasn't like today, you know, that everyone could WhatsApp and you can send groups, you know, right? It wasn't, she's talking to the women. Abraham wasn't like the great, uh, you know, frequenter of the women. How do we know that? Because it says, it's a nefesh in the beginning of the parasha. All of these things are indications of what's going to happen. It says that all the people that they made in Haran, and Rashi says there what that Abraham was, what, um, converted the men and Sarah did the women. Abraham had nothing to do with the women. Okay? In those, were, in those days, that's how it worked. Okay? So let's carry on. So he says, so, so, um, so that's Rashi. Um, that, that this whole thing is that she's, she's stolen from him, she's sto- he's stolen from her, her reputation. But there's another halacha here. The halacha is that um, that a husband is entitled to everything of his wife's. You know that, right? When you get married, right, you lose ownership of everything. Okay? Unless it's specifically mentioned. It's by the way. Okay? So, when that happens, when it's specifically mentioned, you own, there's the capital that you own, but your, your, your husband get the benefit of any of the produce thereof. Okay? Now, what's happened here is that she's the capital that's owned by Sarah, Hagar. Her husband gets the benefit and gets the children benefit. But what's happened is, because she's behaving in the way that she's behaving and she's unstopped, the way Sarah sees it, is that Abraham has effectively taken her away from him. Taken her away from her. And therefore, Hamasi, you've stolen her from me. That's what she's saying. It's quite a hectic accusation. But she's very emotional. And it's not like Sarah, by the way. Okay? We're talking about the primary avot and imahotia. We're not talking about like some person. We're talking about the woman who is the mother of every single one of us. Which means that she has to have like, kind of, I don't know, a centeredness. And we find all the way through that certain people lose it. And when they lose it, there are major ramifications. And I'm going to show you the major ramification. That's the purpose of the ship. Okay, you got it? You with me? So, what happens? By Yomar Avram al-Sarai, 
says, she's your maid servant. She might be my wife, but she's your maid servant. Do whatever is tuv be'enayich. Which means, we are translated as good in your eyes. Okay? V'ta'anea sarai, and sarai v'ta'anea made it very difficult for Inuyim are the five things that we do on, uh, on, um, on Yom Kippur and on Tisha B'av. Right? No eating, no drinking, no relations, no uh, anointing. Uh, and leather shoes. Yeah. So, v'ta'anea sarai means she made it difficult for her. We don't know exactly what she made difficult, but she made it difficult for her. Vativrach mi panea. And she ran away from her. So here's, look how this works. This is whole balance. Here's Sarah, here's Hagar. Hagar feels that she's up there. Sarah squashes her completely. Okay, makes, and she runs away from her. Okay? malach. And an angel finds her. I deny, I'll earn her mind by midbar. Finds her, she's run away. She's run away to, to some, what's it called, a, a little... Still can't remember the word. There's all the trees and stuff in the middle of the desert. What's it called? Oasis. Yes. Our Ayn, but Derek Shur, on the way to Derek Shur. And he says to Hagar, don't worry, da 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 and he goes, the whole story about how wonderful the child is going to be. Okay? Fine. Let's try and understand what happened here. What did Sarah do to her? Because it must have been pretty hectic that she ran away as opposed to where should she have gone? It's Afram. So Afram, look what Sarah's doing to me. So what did Sarah do? That's my question to you. Just think about it. What Sarah... You don't have to get Mepharshim. You just got to think about it. What would Sarah have done to her to the extent that she ran away? So firstly... The uh, um, Rashi says, Shaatama Shabedit Babakoshi. She really made her, like, she enslaved her. Hectically. Hectically. Mashabedit La Bakoshi. She enslaved her, Bakoshi. Have you heard the word Koshi? And Shibut together? Avodah Kasha. Hear those words? Avodah, where do you know those words from? You all know those words. You said them for years, every year, twice, at least. In your Seder, you say it every year. Avodah Kasha, hard work. Okay? Where's this woman from? Baba. Just here. Okay? You see where we're going a little bit here? Avodah Kasha. There's an unbelievable connection all the time. So, Sarah makes her work hard, according to Rashi. The Ramban says, now, I'm telling you now, this is the Ramban. Okay. The, Ram, the reason why I'm giving you a little bit of a, a history to this Ramban is uh, the Ramban is next to Rashi, the next most important parish on the Torah. Okay. Nachmanides. Okay. He's, he is great. He's glorious. He's one of our greatest ever. Now you're going to hear what he's going to say. Why it's so important that I tell you this? It's not like some psychologist that's really like putting stuff together. Because from a psychology point of view, you can very easily say that, right, that, um, that she must have been really upset, Hagar, and since she was really upset, 
it must be that there's some going to be some kind of like impact on the relationship with her and Sarah, which will impact on the relationship with Yitzchak and Yishmael, and da da da, and go all the way down, right? But says the Ramban, our mother, Sarah, sinned in making it so hard for Hagar. Got it? So, very good. Say it out. Okay. Remember, she's an Egyptian princess, right? Where does she? What happens to her? What happens to Hagar? By the way. So. Yeah, but there's a whole series that happens before that. She got, we're not going to do it now because it's only next week, Parsha. But what happens to Hagar is Hagar stays, she comes back and she sticks around. She's the lesser wife, let's call her, of Abraham. She's been humbled enormously and she has Yishmael. And Yishmael is brought up ostensibly as Sarah's child. Right? Until what happens? Until Yitzchak is born. And then after a couple of years of Yitzchak being born, you see the person that the angel, we didn't go through what he prophesied, what the angel prophesied would be the man is a hectic human being. Okay? He's a hectic human being, this, this little Yishmael. And Sarah sees it. Abraham doesn't see it, which kind of mirrors what goes on later on with Yitzchak and the Anista. But anyway, leave that alone. Okay? She sees, and what does she do? She says, Garesh the You've got to get rid of her. You've got to get rid of her. Now she takes the initiative. Okay? Abraham's not very happy and Hashem says, yes, whatever your wife tells you, do. Love that one, right? Okay? Whatever your wife tells you, do. And she kicks out Hadar with Ishmael. And they suffer terribly in the desert and Hashem eventually gives them water, etc., etc. And then they disappear. Where did they go? Must have been they went home. Now, the Midah Kenegid Midah maybe begins to start over there. Okay? Okay? But there's even something even bigger than that. Because it doesn't just happen in one generation. Says the Ramban. Vagam Avram Avram Avinu let her do it. Because if he had stopped her, she would have stopped. Right? Vashama Hashem El Onya. And Hashem heard the cry of Hagar. This Egyptian princess. Okay, who brought into the space, we don't know, but clearly Egyptian um, deities and things like that. But Hashem heard her crying out. And he gave her a son. She had Pera Adam, that he would, the, the, the brocha for um, Yishmael is that he would be a Pera Adam, like a bit of a Vildechai. Okay? Why? Why? Why is that the brocha that Akkadish Baruch gives to Hagar for her child? This is the Ramban, it's not me. La'anot zera Avraham v'sara v'chol minei ha'oni. For one reason only, in order that they will make the children of Sarah and Avraham suffer for every type of suffering. Come on! It's the Ramban. How's that? Kodesh Baruch Hu puts into the DNA of Yishmael, right, that they will make us suffer. So it's fascinating. Why is it fascinating? Because through generations, we never suffered at the hand of Ishmael. If you'll remember that. 
right? Our main sub, every now and then the Muslims come in like the crazy things, right? But who, where we've mainly suffered for the last 2,000 years at the hands of, and not even 2,000 years, 3,000 years, right? 2,000 years has been Edom, which has been, let's say, Christianity in its most vile form, okay? Before that, it was the Roman, it was the Greeks, then before that, it was the Persians, and before that, it was uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians. None of them are the children of Ishmael, by the way. None of them. Not one. Okay? It's only now, since 1948, the establishment of the state of Israel, okay, that Ishmael has reared his horrible head against us. And I think that that's a fascinating thing. You don't know how long it's going to take before the thing happens. Now, evidently, the Ramban understood that during his time when the, when the, when the, um, when the, uh, the, the Muslim world was also quite against, was part of that. It's part of that. But we don't feel that. If I would say to you, tell me about the Muslim destruction of the Jewish, of Jewish uh, what, um, uh, cities, you, you, no one knows about that. It's not, it's not the main thing. But we all know, especially us, amongst Ashkenazim, we all know about the, you know, the expulsions from every single country in Europe. Right? That was never, that was not Muslim. That was all Christian. It's an unbelievable thing. Right? 3,000 years later, we suffer. From what? From the fact that, the way, Ramban, I mean, I'm not blaming him. Sarah and Avram treated Hagar, not Ishmael. They don't treat Ishmael like this. He's not even born at this point in time yet. Right? He only becomes born later. But he's not born yet. It's simply his mother who gets suffered and she cries out to Hashem. And it's tickets for the Jewish people. It's quite hectic, huh? Okay. So. Um, so. I think that is quite an interesting idea. So, the question is. Um, how does Sarah get to that point? It's a very low point, according to the way the Ramban presents it. A very low point in the, um, like the sterling CV of Sarah Imain. Yes? I would think so. Why? What happened? So you have to say, you have to say that, remember the way the Torah, if you look in the, look in the, the Chumash, you'll see the little Samach before the beginning of the chapter. And which means that there's a little bit of a space before the chapter begins. At the beginning of chapter 16. There's a little space or a little summer. I'm not sure what the hell they do it in, the, in, the, in that Chumash. Okay, and then if you look at the end of the chapter, you will see the same thing. Um, the beginning of chapter Yud Zion. Chapter 17. Now, not every chapter is divided like that. But when it is divided like that, it means it's a story in itself. And it has to be understood within the context of everything in that story. And the story begins with telling us a strange thing. That Sarai, the wife of Avram, had an Egyptian mis- uh, servant. Right? That's how the story starts. Which means you have to put it into context. Where did she get it? We said, from Parah. Can you imagine what happened to Sarah while she was with Parah? Okay. 
Now let's go back and see what happened to Sarah while she was with Torah. Because the Torah just kind of like looks over it. Um, if you go to chapter... Go to chapter... Sorry, chapter 12, verse... Sorry, chapter, chapter 12, verse 10, yeah. Chapter 12, verse 10. Page 56. says the Vahira of Barat, that there was a famine in the land and Avram went down to Mitzrayim to, to dwell there because of, because of the, the, the difficultness of this Rav. And when he got there, when he started getting close, he said to Sarah, his sister, um, just tell them that you are my, uh, I know that you're beautiful, he says, and tell them that you're my sister because otherwise then they'll let me live. Otherwise they'll kill me. Why would they kill him? Why don't they just take him? What's the difference? So the Natsiv points out an amazing thing. He says, they wouldn't have killed him, obviously. They would have caused him to die. You know, like, you know, like in the movies, you know, like they died in a car accident. You know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Right? Right? He would have caused him to die because one of the fundamentals in Mitzrayim, right, was the fact that a man's wife is a man's wife. At this point in time. That goes all totally out by the time they get to Mitzrayim 300 years later is that it's a disaster. Mitzrayim is terrible. Okay? But leave that for the moment. So he says, because they'll do good things. I'm now on verse number 14. Avram comes to Mitzrayim. They see that she's absolutely beautiful. And the, the, the officers of Paro see her. And they tell how wonderful she is. And she is taken to the house of Paro. Okay? And they did incredible. And Avram gets gifts and wonderful things out of the fact that they are busy with his wife. And Paro makes. Um, sorry, Hashem gives Paro these terrible negaim, a nega. It's, 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 it's tarat, probably tarat, but very difficult, painful um, skin lesions of some sort. Ve'et not only him, but his whole household. Al devar Sarai Eshet Avram because of Sarai Eshet Avram. Okay, what what did what happened? What did Sarah say? Al-Devar Sarai Eshadam because of what the ha- things that happened or the words of Sarai. So something's happened here that Sarai called out. She said something. Who did she say it to? Well, there's nothing to say it to because they're all the people of Paro. So Rashi says here, that he made a very terrible... Um, uh, like lesions on him that he couldn't have any type of relations, sexual relations with Sarah. Okay? Which means he tried to rape her. That's what it means. Right? But HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that he couldn't do anything. And not only him, but on all the, um, the officers. Why all the officers? So none of them could do it either. 
There's a whole backstory here. It wasn't like she, she went in and she got her own little room, you know, in the palace. Like this, you know, like the fairy tales and you know that. And she had somebody to help help her and do all lovely things. And then he made like he seduced her. I'm not interested in that, right? It's the king of Egypt. It became a powerful place in the world. Why would he? So what happens? Valdivarsa al Pidibura. You know why this happened? Because she spoke. She said to the Malach, she said to the angel, um, clap him, and they clapped, and the angel clapped. So she has this like guardian angel with her in the space of Mitzrayim that stops them from doing anything that they want to do to her. But, but uh, it was a modern, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Um, there's a, there's a, a modern, she's written a book on this. But she writes that, can you imagine the trauma that Sarah went through? Right? She's taken, she's a, remember, she's as innocent as can be, Sarah. She's a young woman, she travels everywhere with her husband, she's holy, everything's fantastic. All of a sudden, she finds herself in the basest space that you can possibly imagine of Mitzrayim. And they all wanted to try and rape her in some way or another. Excuse me. Excuse me. So she's really traumatized. And then, what does she have with her every single day of her life? Hagar. The daughter of the woman who tried to do all these terrible things to her. So she carries her with her, but she's Sarah. And she holds her head out strong because she's Sarah. She's able to, to move out of the trauma space and be able to make things work and to do things until what happens? Until this whole thing starts again. And if you look carefully, the, um, the, 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 the whole thing is like what Hagar is bullying her in the same way as the father would have bullied her. And so therefore, she reacts in a way that is so unlike Sarah. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, that's not the way the Avot act, says the Rambam. The Avot do not react. We respond appropriately. What should Sarah have done with Hagar? Because now that we've got a Ramban that says she acted inappropriately, we can speculate as to what she should have done. Well, what would you have done? Probably similar to what Sarah did. <laughs> but, but it's a lesson. It's a huge lesson. What should she have done? She went to speak to her husband. Right? Right? And he says, do whatever you want. Because she's yours, she's not mine. Which is the absolute deflection that every Jewish husband should know. Right? But what, what should she have done with Hagar? What was Hagar's accusation against her? That she's not what she seems. Okay? What did she show Hagar? That she's not what she seems. What she should have done is default into what Sarah really was. And she should have done chesed. It would seem to be. Because the chesed that she could have done could have diffused at least the negative relationship. Now we're not ripping Sarah off in any way, chas But we're learning a lesson from it. And the beauty of this Ramban is that it teaches us that our mothers and our fathers, our forefathers, foremothers, right? human beings as well okay and it's only because they were human beings as well that we can make them into our mothers and fathers because if they were 
godlike, then how can I ever aspire to be like them? How can I learn lessons from them? I can't. It would be crazy. You know, if you're going to take all those Midrashim, like, on this, like Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu hears about what happens with a lot. Right? It's amazing. So what does he do? He goes, gets his chevra together and they go and they fight. They're going to go and fight against, um, against the, the four kings. So there's a Midrash later on which tells us that um, the Gomorrah says that they, they, they found a chest of dirt, of dust. And they brought it to the king as a gift. Or, or, no, something, no, sorry, not this one. They, they were taking a chest of gold to the king, Jews, to pay like some type of, you know, blood money of some sort. Right? And they're giving them a chest, and but someone had stolen it and replaced all the gold with sand. So when they opened it up, it was sand. So the king said, oh, I, I don't sand. Well, the sand That's, uh, so someone quick on his, uh, on his thinking remembered there's a midrash. And the midrash says, when Avram Avinu went to fight against the, the four kings, he picked, he, he picked up sand from the ground, and threw the sand, and the sand turned into arrows, and they, they were able to, to win the war. So they said this to the king. So the king said, oh, well, whatever. And all of a sudden, he hears that he's being attacked. So they take the chest of sand, they take it and they throw it, and the Jews are the best thing because they gave them the sand that turned into the arrows, like Avram Avinu. Okay, whatever that means. So those are all miraculous things that happened to Avram according to the Midrash, whatever it really means, it's difficult to understand. But you can't live our lives, you know, hoping one day I'm going to be attacked and I pick up sand and throw like Avram Avinu. That's not a lesson to learn. The humanity is the lesson to learn, the humanness of Avram Avinu, right? Even the difficulty that he didn't, he and his sorrows had like a five-second conversation which has had an um, impact on the Jewish people for all generations. Maybe that's the lesson to learn. But just something to think about. Thank you much, Dr. Good day.